Ahoy, mateys. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you are listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And yes, genius, you can call me Billy. Out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that understands the subtle difference between a zombie and a zombie redneck torture family. (laughs) My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're injecting ourselves with 100% pure tiger blood as we delve into the mouth of March Madness and travel back 10 years to talk the horror classics from our 2011 bracket. And you don't have to be in a remake to listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your winning hole. I was wondering if those were going to connect, and I indeed indeed have my answer. And of course, if you are out on social media, you can follow these kind of um, shenanigans. Shenanigans. Uh, as we are on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and shenanigans. And that's where it will stop <laughs> yes, right it now. Will. Yes, it will. The joke's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, as this episode is going to be releasing on Monday, March 22nd, of course, on that events tab, we will have those particular weeks um cyber shenanigans mm-hmm. in-person shenanigans yeah there's gonna be a lot of fun good stuff and it's coming close to panic time as it is so make sure to check that out but of course it is going to be on all social media we will have access to the bracket because without it how are you going to play along and continue to play along at home send in your completed brackets show your work if you can uh, that's where I, I like it it's usually the justification of who is winning, which, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm totally good for that. Exactly. No wrong way to eat a Reese's. <laughs> not, absolutely not. But here, we find ourselves now at the beginning, strangely enough. The beginning of the end. Or is it the beginning of the future? That's true. For these particular films, because we are at the 10-year marker, and all we have to do is go back to that very year of 2011, and mm-hmm. my goodness, just 10 years ago, I can... Quite honestly, say my my life was quite different. Absolutely, there was a lot of different things ten years ago, and I slightly remember them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I I can say I was technically I was happily married, so it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. But you know what I was still doing around that time? Hmm. Taking in a lot of films. Yeah, taking a lot of films in person. Uh huh. In the theater. Yep. And uh, taking advantage of getting Netflix in the mail. Now, that's ex- that's a huge time. Okay, goodness. So that does mean probably in the midst of uh, binging Lost at this time. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, Such a particular time marker, too. Mm-hmm. Right before streaming, but people are starting to binge mm-hmm. and starting that at-home. At-home thing. So, yeah, it was an interesting time, and it was still relying on physical media. Oh, yeah. And oh, it yeah. still is. It still is. Well, it still and, is. But even 10 years, though, Times were different, potentially. Wow. I mean, definitely another time, another place. (laughs) As it is. But this is also the beginning of our time marker here, Into the Mouth of March Madness, Mm -hmm. where if we're still talking about a film 10 years later, that's a film that has some legs. Yeah. 
that's going to maybe develop a legacy and it's going to find hopefully in our tournament Mm -hmm. it's also a good marker for that new generation of fans it's for like we're the old not necessarily we're the old guard because there's a lot more guard before us and there's a lot more guard but in generation wise and it's good to see like this continuation because i guarantee a lot of these movies are probably going to be somebody's first horror movie or their absolute favorite yeah well and it's great because there were a number of first time watches same for me too in this particular bracket but there were also some really good you know theatrical experiences Mm -hmm. some in-home experiences um, but like I like how you mentioned it, this, you know, people are going to be discovering it mm-hmm. because of the people that are talking about it because of the word of mouth. Yeah. And this is also around the time where social media was really also starting to pick up as well. Mm-hmm. So you had that aspect that and I went from, you know, hearing hype from like Chud.com and Joe Blow and all those to maybe seeing some of people i follow on twitter at that point right and i think that was even the point where i was on twitter just to follow people and there's more festivals showing oh, yeah. these types oh, of yeah. movies out and about and you can have more access to it so i mean i guarantee like with at least a couple of these movies if there wasn't enough word of mouth they probably would have never been seen well and we've got an interesting mix of kind of big budget and then low indies yes yeah. and We've, we narrowed it down to eight films here in the year of 2011, mm-hmm. and we're going to just go top to bottom here bracket-wise, and our first bracket topic is, uh, we've, you know, I think in the very first Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, we had this as a topic, mm-hmm. because uh, remakes, uh, they're the word. Yeah. Speaking of the changing of the guard, you know, making the old ones new again, yeah. And listen, here on the show, we legitimately love remakes. Mm-hmm. Which is why our first bracket topic is remake or mistake, and we've got two films that are remaking. And I'll just say this from the get go: uh, two of my favorite horror films yeah. of the 1980s. Two remakes of two classics and two absolute classics. When you tread upon classics, you, you, you better bring your A game. You, you better bring something for real, <laughs> right? And we have the remake of Fright Night going up against. The remake of The Thing? Mm, yes. We'll no. get to that. We'll mm-hmm. get to that. But up, up on the bracket, because we like to go top to bottom here, is gonna we're going to go ahead and talk Fright Night. Yeah. A, a Fright Night uh, remake, I think, for, I'm, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, but for a lot of people, that's almost blasphemous. It, you know? Blasphemous? Blasphemous. And there's a reason why this was my first time watch for the tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't think I stayed away consciously from it because of my love of the original, but it was one also that I was not going to go out of my way to see, mm-hmm. and I just hadn't tread upon it yet. Um, and that's a long way of saying uh, the first is one I absolutely adore. Uh, it's my go-to for an easy answer for my favorite horror film of the 1980s. It's a great, uh, just just a love letter to everything that's wonderful in horror, just mm-hmm. great effects, great characters, great direction, great writing, great score um chris sarandon is you know i mean come on come on right which is a long way of also to get me to say i legitimately liked the remake like legitimately liked the remake Mm -hmm. like borderline upon rewatching it again maybe even love really 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 wow so that being said was this also a first time viewing for you half I saw maybe about the first half hour of it when like it came on like HBO or when it came out back in the day. 
Never got to it since. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. I was it was I was engaged for a minute, but I had something else to do. So like, that, that's and fair. then again, it's Fright Night remake. It's got McLovin as Evil Ed. I don't see it in my mind, you know, because I'm I'm I can't think of McLovin going, "Dinner's in the oven, you guys." You know, I, I'm I'm waiting for dinner's in the oven. You know, that's what I that's my Evil Ed, right? So it wasn't I was like against this movie. I was just more apprehensive about it. it would like, but I'd still I'm gonna give it a chance. I just never got to it. This was a goddamn good movie. Holy shit! I was. It, it took, again, the bare bones of mm-hmm. it. Just a vampire neighbor moves in next door. They got a friend. They got a girl, something or rather, the parents, and just goes on to it. I was really impressed with how, like, proper good of a vampire story this was. Well, and even we even have, a like, a criteria of what makes or what establishes at least a decent remake. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, the original came out in 1985, so we definitely have our 15-year window. Right. As you mentioned, it took the bare bones of the original and definitely inserted some different elements to it. First and foremost, the fact that they're, um, uh, oh my goodness, why am I blanking on that right now? Uh, Tony Collette, Colin Farrell. Oh no, uh, Jerry, Jerry Dandridge, Jerry Dandridge is a nester and that he's building a collective of vampires, mm-hmm. which is so different from the original. And I was like, I like that. Right. That's an element that, goes and defers and i actually now let me just say this uh, chris sarandon's always going to be my jerry dandridge uh-huh. i like colin farrell in this i liked him too he was also i could see him being like the um seductive neighbor because even tony collette was like god damn right everybody was like uh it's colin farrell you know and i know plenty of people right now are like god damn colin farrell he's in a wife beater shirt and he's all sweaty and digging holes i'm down right (laughs) so (laughs) i could see that but i also like the fact that um chris sarandon himself kind of like okay a little cameo for him being a victim i thought that was nice um, I like what they did. I I really enjoyed the nesting aspect of the more vampires. It had more of a good um, fear, like mm-hmm. a more good terror. And it deferred it completely from the original. Right. I like the change. Now, no, I didn't think I would like it, the change they did to Evil Ed, but I did. It, he was more of like Lost Boy again. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that believed it. But I really liked the change they did with Peter Vincent. See, and that's the thing. I, I in in theory, I liked what they did with Peter Vincent, but in execution, and I like David Tennant. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily a big Whovian, but I you know know enough about that that I can I've seen that with a lot of those. Um, but I don't know if it was the baggage I brought with my love of Peter Vincent right. and um, Roddy McDowell's performance, but I just something didn't click entirely for me. See, he didn't at first with me, but it wasn't until his redemption arc, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you're redeemed, you're redeemed. He's no original Peter Vincent. I almost I almost had to take my mind of he's not playing Peter Vincent, he's playing Chris Angel. Oh yes. So that's why I'm like, okay, cool. He's not a horror host. He's oh, a no, he's... Vegas magician, an entertainer. And it works in the setting. Mm-hmm. And especially the fact that they incorporate the setting the that it's not unusual for people to be night owls. Yeah. To not see them during the day. Vegas. It's Vegas, baby. <laughs> and I love the fact that Tony Collette came in and does. She is a genre great. I don't like everything she's in in genre. But for the most part, I like Krampus. You know, I like this movie. She she brought the mom character, which was an ancillary character in the original. Eh, you know, here's the not thing. really. But she I mean, is, but the performance in there is pretty great. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But she just came out like, 
fucking it's, swinging. Well, it's Tony Collette. Yeah. That's the thing. The cast in this film, and that's the thing. I adore everyone in the original, but the Charlie and Amy in this fun in this film, you talk about genre greats mm-hmm. and genre upstarts. God rest his soul, Anton Yelchin yeah. is Charlie. I love William Ragsdale in the original, but he's really good in this. Yeah, especially because he's kind of a dick at the beginning. He has he's, actually he's, a little bit of a journey. He's got the he's got the dick because we instantly like Charlie. He's in the, in the original because mm-hmm. he's the affable, mm-hmm. lovable, goofy guy, you know. But who stumbles upon a vampire? This one's kind of like if a bro stumbled upon a vampire and he's like, you know what? Yeah, let's let's be cool about it. Well, it's also the fact that Dave Franco shows up. I was like, hey, it's Dave Franco. It's like, I guarantee he's going to become, a, you know, he's a red shirt at this point. Mm-hmm. But Imo, is it Imogene Poots? Imogene Poots. Love her. She's great as Love Amy. Her. She is great as Amy. She's great in everything. Yeah, she from is. From like 28 weeks later to Green Room, where mm-hmm. this would make a great double bill with those two as uh, equal partners she was in she was good in the art of self-defense she's she's great in everything everything again i'm a fan of imaging poots such a welcome presence poots (laughs) (laughs) that's fair it's tough to get around (laughs) but it's um those subtle differences now i will say the cg in it a little bit more problematic for me right because of if you're always going to compare to the original and Practical's Steve, always going to win. Steve Johnson's work in the original, you really can't compare the mm-hmm. two, but it's what we did at the time, yeah. which I understand. I even like the little callbacks they did when, like, the the Amy mouth. It, it, a 2011 Amy mouth mm-hmm. was going in and expecting that, but, and it, listen, like I said, I really liked it, though. And Me too. Throughout the film, I kept going, I'm really, I'm having fun with this. Like, I'm engaged with it. Strength of the, the cast, obviously, but this could have been a very easy... Just just no nonsense, no care given remake. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some care given. Yeah, I think so. I think they wanted to remake the story and tell something different. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that. I did I did as well. I liked this remake. No, I did as well. I did as I well. I think it'll be I think it should go in the pantheon of better remakes out there. You know, because there's like tiers. There's like really good remakes and then subpar remakes and then shite ones or whatever. But I think that deserves to be up there. It's one of the better ones. And I and hopefully people will backtrack to the original as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads us then to the film that it is paired against, 2011's The Thing. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned remake. It's just. It's not. It is a prequel. Uh-huh. And you don't know that until like midway through. Yes. And The Thing. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. The thing is, sac- sacred ground, much like Fright Night. Yeah, you know, many Again, people blasphemous. Are, you were gonna remake the thing. It's, it's Carpenter's, you know, his finest work. It mm-hmm. is that film that works in cold weather, in warm weather. It, you know, if you're if you needing the need of paranoia, it works. Right, and it's also got Rob Bottin's just. Amazing, full effects. That's what people remember when they think of the thing. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily the paranoia or Carpenter's work, Cundy's work, Morricone's score, Wilford Brimley. You know, they just—it's <laughs> well, always a lot of people do, <laughs> you know. But no, it's of course it's the neck, it's the the, the chest, mouth. You got to be fucking kidding the me. The spider, right? yeah, yes. it's everything. Oh, it is everything. Thing, ah, and listen, this was also a first-time watch. Really? Yes, and it's. I don't ne- and it's a, not necessarily because the original is off, you know. I, I was I'm all for it. I heard it was a prequel, so I'm like, cool. I'm all. For, I just never got around to it. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, how about yourself? I saw this in the theater. Now I'm going to make one particular two things. Mm-hmm. You're a fan of remakes, mm-hmm. horror. 
Was it maybe a particular cast member? Yes. Yes, it, it, it was a new... I was like, well, okay, I'm going to go see this movie about the thing. And it does have Mew, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. So I'm going to go check it out. I like Mew's work. And I went on there and I saw it. And I remember thinking, like, coming out and like... Yeah, that was a movie. You know? And I kind of like... I think I had so much, like, hype. because Not hype, but, like, the thing sets the bar pretty high. And as something, it's interesting because we were praising Fright Night on how it took the bare bones of the original kid and a vampire uh, neighbor and did something different. This kind of did the same thing, but what it alien research aliens mm-hmm. in Antarctica. But I think it missed the point of the original. I think it missed the suspicion and the paranoia, and that's what made it palpable. They turned it into a creature feature. Yeah. And. If you love creature features, I love creature features, and I was even thinking if this was anything else, if this was like you know a, an Arctic creature feature, mm-hmm. it, we would like that's very thing like, mm-hmm. but you know on its own, sure. I'm having a good time with it. I enjoyed this movie as soon as I saw it as a creature feature, but I had to put myself, I had to shift gears and put myself in that mindset to really like imbibe this movie. Well, I th- there you can tell. That the movie was made with good intentions. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they were going for as much continuity as possible. And that was, this was a first time viewing for me. And that's what I really dug was the continuity. Yeah. Because I've seen yeah. the thing quite a few times. So I really appreciate that. Because once I, you know, knowing going in, it was a prequel, I was not necessarily looking for those things, but it was interesting to see the connectivity happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was very. It was very like in your face. It was fairly subtle. For it the wasn't ham fisted. Yeah, it wasn't a ham fisted. Like, look, we're connecting it. Can't you see what we're doing? You know, it wasn't that. It was like, you know, if you see what we're doing until until we get there, cool. But here's a creature feature thing. Well, and then also knowing that they really wanted to try to stay practical, uh, but it was actually the studio that came in and then forced the CGI. I think we'd be singing a different tune if it was practical. I saw a lot of the practical work that they had going on, like just even just the little worm, the arm thing mm-hmm. that uh, freaking um, what's his bucket from Game of Thrones. Right. People get dispatched in gnarly, gnarly oh, ways. There's some good, cool looking and actually just seeing the original alien itself burst mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I enjoyed that. There was some good themes and good things explored in it. It wasn't a hundred percent shit fest, which a lot of people like to say it is. Well, and I've heard a lot of negative things about it, but I've also heard some defenders as well, and because it is ten years later, people are still coming back to it because I think they want to go, Well, is it as bad as everyone said it was originally? Mm-hmm. And I don't think again, even as a first time viewing, going in with that particular baggage, I walked away not not loving it enjoying it and maybe watching it again with someone as a first timer for them to see their reaction so I can kind of gauge that. I wouldn't mind seeing a double feature of this again like you said and the thing next to each other with somebody who's seen both. Mm -hmm. If they haven't seen any of it and like okay which one did you which what did you think? Yeah. You know the experiential viewing. Yeah. But I mean it's got between Joel Edgerton and um, um, Mew it's got Potential, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not angry at it. I'm more disappointed. Are you, are you the disappointed father? Genius? I, I am, because like you know, it's. I, I think, like you said, it, it, it would. Yeah. Well, and that's what when we we go in 
looking to love these movies. Mm-hmm. We want to enjoy them. We are and a podcast of positivity. So is the tournament as well. And as much as as, mu- as much like as we had for both of these films, mm-hmm. only one can go into the next round. So let's go ahead and look at our first little bit of criteria and ask, which of the two films is closer to your heart? Closer to the heart! Yeah. getting there getting yeah. there yeah. so genius which one pulls on the nostalgia strings for you even though i saw the thing in the theater um i had such a better time with the uh with the fright night remake especially the fact that i've already started it before and then like for like a 20 minutes and then came back to it mm-hmm. and enjoyed it even more i think that's, that's kind of you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me so i had a great time with fright night so that yeah. gets my closer to the heart vote and because I didn't see either of these in the theater originally, I don't have any bias there. Uh, they were both first-time viewings here in the basement, literally. But only one did make me go back to the original, and that was Fright Night. I went back and watched the original again, and, and it wasn't to wash away the taste of anything. <laughs> it was because I enjoyed the remake enough, I really wanted to experience the original again. And I think because of that, my vote is also going to go with Fright Night. Now, that being said, from the heart to the head, our bracket topic is remake or mistake. And there are a number of ways that you can interpret it. So I'm going to throw it to you, Genius. What is your vote on this one? I think uh, Fright Night for the simple fact is, is it a remake? Yes, it is a mistake. No. I, I, (laughs) I think they did a good job with this remake. Yeah. You know? I, I again I like what they could have done with the thing but they didn't so that's the mistake that they didn't bring the goods and that's actually what I was going to focus on as well um, the fact that there were some possibilities mm-hmm. with the thing remake that it was very interesting to just take the name of the thing which is why a lot of people assumed remake right which was a little bit of a a thing switcheroo as it is so yeah. probably in its nature i guess yeah uh but because of the fact that they really sold me on everything dna wise of the original the bare bones of fright night and did expand it and did kind of meet my needs i'm also going to say fright night and by a score of four to zero ooh, <laughs> looks like jerry Dandridge took a bite out of the thing for real <laughs> which leads us to our next bracket matchup and you Ooh. know what we Ooh. we had a little bit of fun yeah. with these last two films even though the thing wasn't as much fun <laughs> 2001 was a lot of fun oh boy 2011 is not <laughs> yeah we've these next two movies are excellent films but not the ones that you're going to throw on just for a wacky wild ride. Come on, kids. Let's watch a fun movie. No, these are going to be hopefully in the... You got to go through a beaded curtain, I think, for these. Yeah. Our bracket topic we have here is homegrown horror. And we have two films going up against each other. We have Kevin Smith's Red State going up against Lucky McKee's The Woman. Mm-hmm. Genius, which one do we start? Let's do Red State. Okay, let's start with Red State. Let's Red State. Experience. Genius. Go. I remember renting it, hearing all the hype about it, and knowing full well what it is parodying. Because yeah. <laughs> this is a parody at the end of the day. You know, I wouldn't call this a horror comedy at all, but I would definitely call this maybe like a horror satire. And we are very close regionally yes, to exactly. people mentioned specifically people, in the movie. By name, by name. <clears throat> there was disclaimer, we have no affiliation with this group, with the Phelps at all, you know? We live very close to... Mm-hmm the Westboro Baptist Church, which this is famously based on. And 
so I remember hearing all this hype about it. Plus, I love Kevin Smith movies, right? So when this came out, and I'm like, he's doing a horror movie? Cool. Let's mm-hmm. see what this is about. Because this was before Tusk. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I remember renting it and being like, this movie is fucked up. I enjoy this movie, but it was it was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember it enough to like thinking like, hey, it's John Goodman, and like, hey, there's the weird horns at mm-hmm. the end. <laughs> you know, that kind of threw me off when I first watched, and I think mm-hmm. that like just kind of like. Ugh. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. But upon this recent watch, this was a really good movie. I didn't. There were some things I didn't like, but I understand what he was going for. Like, I've never been a big fan of Shaky Cam, but I mm-hmm. also understand why he used it to disorient, because it fucking disoriented me. The fact we had movement in a, of a camera in a Kevin Smith movie. You're right. There's change right there. <laughs> I was just waiting for those kids to say, I'm not even supposed to be here today, right? And I think... They- <laughs> It was such a, a, a crazy movie. So it was very, very dark. Mm-hmm. And the scares came from not anything, the fact of the guts and the gore, because there was some gore aspects mm-hmm. of it. But it came from the fact that this is fucking real. I think both of these movies, the scares come from most like this is has fucking happened. Could be happening and in your backyard. Yeah. And might happen if shit goes unchecked. And so that's where that horror came from. And it was palpable. You know, I mean, especially because of the I'm not saying that these kids didn't deserve to die. They didn't. They're just being fucking dumbass, horny teens. teens, Right. I remember doing stupid shit like, oh, they're all the way and blah, blah, blah. Fuck, we ain't got nothing else to do. Let's go. Right. So. Well, and they're in just a small town. Right. That's you have a lack of options. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. The fact that they're just pulled over, not randomly, but just abducted Mm -hmm. into this crazy religious cult that was more terrifying than Midsommar because it wasn't (laughs) their fault. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it was, but I mean, right. Still, these are crazy people. And the fact that we see instances of like this every day, the fact that there's so much hate for different people every day that this stuff probably happens and we don't even fucking know about these and then we have militias now and we have religious militias now and it it builds upon a lot of different fears and that's what i like about this movie and i think that's why it has even more relevance today than it did back in 2011 absolutely you rented it i was lucky enough to actually see it in the theater fucking yeah tell me what that's about it was a interesting experience because this was not released um, traditionally in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Smith took it on a rolling road show throughout the nation where he toured with the film, uh, would do a Q&A afterwards, as he always did, and it was uh, being held at the Midland. Now, I did not act early enough to get tickets, or it maybe I was even just maybe holding out potentially, but mm-hmm. we knew the said Westboro Baptist Church were going to be protesting the said Red State screening. So they put out a word, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have an anti-protest. So I put together a little sign, and I'm not artistically talented at all, so my stickmen look different. And I made up a sign. I had um, Cthulhu loves gay people. <laughs> and it's something along those lines. And I had Cthulhu on there, just horribly drawn. So we went out and we're... Anti- Did they have tentacles and stuff? There were tentacles. So you were pre-squiddly diddly before, or was that like... I think the seeds were planted. <laughs> well, that's how the dark, that's how the, the old ones Opened work. Up a portal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> so we're, we're amidst this whole uh, anti-protest with them and some people come out of Kevin Smith's and they're filming everything mm-hmm. and they brought all the people that had the signs. Hey, come on in and watch the movie. So I was like, sweet. So go in. I'm watching. So I watch the movie and mm-hmm. it's very different from anything that he's done. Um, I'm just like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And of course, everyone starts lining up for the Q&A afterwards. Right. Uh, so I, I get in line because I had a couple of questions. And lo and behold, one of the people that get up there, they go, uh, hi, Kevin. Uh, my name is uh, Megan Phelps. Oh, shit. And there's like a <gasps> through the audience. And Megan Phelps is one of the few Phelps children that actually got away from the Phelps clan mm-hmm. and the Westboro Baptist, Baptist Church. So she's like, get up here. So she gets up on stage. Because like before she got away, she was one of the mouthpieces for them. Oh, yeah. no, And she, like, you know, we're, we're a half fam, happy family, blah, blah, blah. And then like slowly the veneer started to shake. And that's when some of them actually were able to get away from the family. Mm-hmm. And so she proceeds to get up and he does the Q&A goes to this once in a lifetime opportunity to hear, you know, what it was like. And I mean, it yeah. was horrifying. Just it was exactly what you thought it was, basically. <sighs> And so I'm sitting there just absorbing this and this fanboy in front of me is like, I can't believe I can't get to ask my question. I was like, come on, man. Like, have you been listening to any of this? Like this is what we just watched to what we are now hearing. Hearing. This is a firsthand account. You want to fucking ask him about movie? Sit down for a second. (laughs) You know? God, so I, was, I heard I've heard like not folk tales, but I've heard of this conversation in the whispers and shit. Yeah. But like to it, actually be there. God. It, it was pretty rad. It was it was just because it was such a, a just a shared moment. And it gives mm-hmm. the power of seeing something in the theater. Now, a film I didn't see in the theater, but people did. And people walked out of and lost their minds over <laughs> is Lucky McKee's The Woman. This one, uh, does this one come with a uh, trigger warning, potentially? This is a rough movie. It is It is very, very rough in its themes. It's not as graphic as, like, say, Martyrs, right? But in the themes and, the, and, and what it portrays, it is pretty rough. It is pretty brutal. I mean, <laughs> and it's done so serious is the thing in such an Americana way. This is another one of those like it can happen at any moment because just the sheer villainous of the husband mm-hmm. and the, the happy everything is great veneer that the he veneer. does. And when he comes home, the fact that the son is just eating it up and just going in his footprints and making it even worse. worse. That was the scary part. And also the complacency of the wife at the beginning and yeah. then and not until the very end and all this. And the fact that there's like there's a we haven't even talked about the feral woman in the basement, but the fact that there's a, a, a pregnant teen who the father might be the father. It's just there's a lot of shit going on in this movie. And then you bring in the aspect of chaining a feral woman down in the basement in a home full of psychopaths to to better civilize and i've seen several films here lately um the proposition mm-hmm. um also uh the nightingale that we talked about where you right. have that whole you know we're going to civilize this place yeah and it's the same theme and it's just this misogynistic just it puts oh. the pig in pygmalion oh my, yeah it is <laughs> horrid it is so horrid uh written uh co-written by jack ketchum who already has very much a controversial style. 
uh, controversial theme. See, I thought I saw this movie before, but it turned out I was watching another Jack Ketchum movie called The Girl Next Door. Mm-hmm. So, which has a lot of similar themes in this one about people being kept in a basement with horrible consequences. And so, like, yeah, no, I was ready for this knowing well, as soon as I saw Jack Ketchum. Hell, as soon as I saw Lucky McKee, I was like, like oh, okay, boy. I can't. Yeah, I'm not going to expect a lot of levity. I'm going to have a lot of questions, and I'm going to have a lot of hard answers. Well, I was going to say, well, the, the only question I know I won't have is going to be the quality of performance, especially if he's paired with uh, Pollyanna McIntosh. Oh, my goodness. And Good Angela Bettis. Uh, yes, exactly. Returning, you know, with her their, you know, initial collaboration in May, a total opposite performance for her. Oh, absolutely. And this, I'm trying to... I'm, think i my initial i think interaction with pa- pollyanna was in tales of halloween i think re- quite literally and i was just mem- mesmerized with her performance and i think i backtracked that into the woman and i was like ah it would because it's it's a phenomenal performance mm-hmm. it's one that it's practically it's all nonverbal. she says except for her eyes and mm-hmm. her growls and her her stance she says so much with just her eyes like that like the scene when uh, again spoilers mm-hmm. it, the scene when the wife has that ball bat and she has the, the decision to bop the husband or rat on the woman and you can just see like come on just do it just do it just just pop them right in the, yep. just now this now is- now not even saying anything while she's being tortured and then when she doesn't just that look of like that shocking look like how could you do this and then like it's going to be on the list. Yeah. yeah, I am not going to forget. She said so much with that performance. Pollyanna McIntosh and Angela Bettis are just two great actors. They really, really are. I mean, and when they show up in anything, you're like, holy shit. Uh, Pollyanna McIntosh played a character on The Walking Dead, and as soon as she kids, I'm like, holy shit, I need to take care of this. And she was fucking weird and powerful in this, that one, too. She played like the leader of the trash people, and she spoke backwards. It was nuts. And but she killed it. Yeah. And Angela Bettis does the same thing. It's like, you know, you're going to get something from those two. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what I went in knowing. Mm-hmm. And my first time viewing, it was not pleasant per se. It was just it was rough to get through. And what's I went and of course doing a little internet research. There's footage of this film having played at a festival, and I think maybe a few normies were in there. Because one of the normies is on camera reacting to the festival organizer about why would you screen such a movie, something that is just so blatant, nasty, and gnarly, and misogynist, and all this and that, and they're trying to say, you know, it's it's a film, but it's it's a pretty fascinating thing to watch because someone viscerally reacting to this movie, I'm sure Lucky McKee and all of them were like, that's what we wanted wanted. to do. We did it. We did it. And. The ending of the movie always gets me because I always forget about the reveal of everything, of what they had back there. That's another thing. Now, all this horrible shit, we didn't even talk about the other daughter. That was oh, that was even before is... this. The, the fucking, they tried to turn a woman. They tried to turn a woman raised by wolves into a woman, and they tried to turn a little girl into a dog. And it was insane. And it just, it was like if the people on the stairs went wrong, you know? <laughs> if they just went into the suburbs. Right. It was heartbreaking but also like kind of uplifting as well because they got away they fought their own demons they defeated the evil husband and son 
And in a movie like this with such despicable characters, mm-hmm. we do need the comeuppance. Yeah. And there is comeuppance to be found. Mm-hmm. And especially especially with the kid. It was the kid that just... I wanted him to go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, he needed to go. He was a creep. I This whole March Madness, I would take like a little bunch of notes here and there on the movies that I'm watching, right? Mm-hmm. Not delving a deeper dive until needed. But... On the watch of the woman, I fucking have a page and a half of notes. I was like, God damn, the I don't know, the, the boy's a psycho. And then finally, she when when the mom snatched, she goes, "Well, you can fuck off, you and your rapist son." Right? I was like, "Fuck yeah!" But then when boom, I mean, it's a violent, oh, it's, it's a vile movie. Well, like I said this about it. There's another movie called The Golden Glove, which is a ooh, rough, rough, ooh, rough, rough oh, movie. Oh. But I'm going to say the same thing. This was a good movie. It just wasn't a good movie. It's not one that you're going to probably view that. It's not one that's going Boy, I'm, I've had a rough day. You know what's going to make me feel better? Lucky McGee. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to sit down and curl up with a nice Ash Ca- uh, Jack Ketchum book. You know? <laughs> now, here's the thing. If that's your thing, we're cool. not. That's cool. I just know uh, that's not a good. That ain't for me. Yeah. That I, ain't for me. I like a little bit of uh, happiness with my horror. <laughs> You know, like, but even 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 when I like the dark, dark and downer shit, yeah, that was still a rough watch. This is a great movie, though. The performances alone, oh. and this is one of those ones that's challenging. You know, if you can stick it out, it's definitely not. Neither of these movies, I would say, are for normies at, not at all. all. Not at all. But if you can handle it, you're going to be entertains not the right word but i think you'll be at least in you'll be, you'll engaged, be engaged and you will get a reaction yeah and it might and it might be one of those things where you watch it and you're like never again you might watch it and be like f you guys what were you thinking worth saying it's not gonna be for everyone you know what it was enough for everybody for them to make a trilogy there's a prequel and a sequel it, it has legs mm-hmm. it definitely has well we definitely Absolutely. have interesting relationships with both films but only one can make it into the next round here so that being said genius mcgee which of the two red state or the woman is closer to your heart i'm gonna say the woman i'm gonna say the woman because when i saw the first time i saw red state i think i was burned by the hype and it wasn't until the second time that i really appreciated it significantly more not saying burned by the hype but you know but on the first time of the woman, I was shocked. I was a gasp. I was clutching my pearls. You know what I was saying? And at the end of it, I was like, fuck yeah. Good for you guys. Good for her. Fucking you take your new family and go out in the woods and live a happily ever after. Fuck yeah. I fully support this decision. You know what I'm saying? So like, I had a visceral reaction of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed both these movies, but I enjoyed the woman on my first round. So I think for that, I'm going to go closer with my heart consistency counts it's tough because we talk about the communal experience in the theater there's a difference between that and seeing something at home and it just doesn't hold a candle to even if megan phelps hadn't shown up Mm -hmm. i think that experience would have been wonderful but that just once in a lifetime event man that colors the nostalgia and the heartstrings oh absolutely i i I think neil and getty lee and all them they would all understand (laughs) now that being said from the heart to the head let's look at the bracket topic and this one i think is very interesting because i think there are a number of ways that we can interpret it the topic is homegrown horror genius what are you thinking (laughs) see this is where i'm really debating on Mm -hmm. because Homegrown horror, when it comes to the woman, that could be the dude next door. You know, that could be, it's that secret life. But when it comes to Red State, that's shit that we really see. It's almost like, not saying that the the 
the suburban terror is better, but it's one of those ostriches. If we don't see it, it doesn't exist. You know, we know it, but it's since it's not in our face with fuckers like Phelps with fuckers like like all these militias that are doing terrible shit with fuckers that are trying to storm governments and shit. We see that in our face every fucking day now. I think if this was if we were talking maybe about three years ago, it it would be a very different story. But since I'm more terrified of extremists and like people who are willing to die for their religion and their beliefs more than I'm afraid of like some suburban like patterast. Not saying that that's a good thing, right. but both me are, personally, I, I mean, both are irre- irrehensible shit. Yeah. But I'm more afraid of extremists and hate groups than I am of like diddlers, you know. So for that, I gotta go with the red state. It makes sense. It totally makes sense. And this is a tough one because, like, you know, there are a number of ways you can interpret it. And I'm looking at homegrown horror. I'm looking at where does the horror start? You know, where does it where does it come from? And both of them show it does come from the family, mm-hmm. whether it is just in the home or in, we, or in the church or in the church where technically there are access to more families in an even bigger community. And that's when you see the spread, truly the spread of evil. And I think because of the fact that maybe it's just more of an economic thing, macro over micro, my voice is going to be, my vote is going to be for Red State as well, which means by a count of three to one, shooting its way into the round of the Scream 16, Kevin Smith's Red State. Hallelujah, it was the Lord's will. Will you shut the fuck up? Well, and it's funny with a lot of the stuff in the first round because we want to, you know, we could talk. You know, you could do entire episodes with these films. We didn't talk about Michael Park's performance. No, not at all. <laughs> we didn't say we John Goodman, Melissa we Leo. We didn't say none of that stuff. We just went with like this scary shit because these people are nuts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, goodness. Well, the John laugh- Goodman, the yeah. one actor to truly live up to his name. <laughs> I'm glad to laugh. I'm glad to. We needed some laughter after that one. And we're going to laugh a little with our next bracket topic and our next matchup as we have the topic of smart slashers. Mm -hmm. And we have a lineup of Wes Craven's Scream 4 going up against Adam Wingard's You're Next. Mm -hmm. Which one do we start with, Genius? Let's do You're Next. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Boom, 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 boom. Sorry. <laughs> Fessenden, Fessenden, Too Fessenden. <laughs> this movie has so many things that is great about 2011. Mm-hmm. It has the intro using one uh, Larry Fessenden. It has the reintroduction of Barbara Crampton. Absolutely. Back into horror. It is the launching point of a great genre duo of of, um, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard. And it shoots Ty West in the face. (laughs) Hey, now, hey. (laughs) Now, Mr. West, I would just let him know Genius is the one that wants to engage (laughs) any kind of fisticuffs or roundhouses to the face. (laughs) Ty West is a bad mamma jamma. True. But take that, Mumblecore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I like this is... There was a lot of hype with this film, and in fact, someone can argue whether or not its inclusion should be 2011 or 2013, because this movie got shelved by its uh, distributor for a couple of years when it did have its initial resurgence in the festival scene in 2011. And that's when I heard 
about your next mm-hmm. on a number of the websites and the social medias, even if in, in, in its infancy at that point. Yeah, same here, especially on like the Ain't It Cool yeah. and all that stuff. And I heard constantly it's kind of a Home Alone with a slasher home invasion film. Exactly, and I'm sold on that. Cause... And, and then I find out Barbara Crampton's in it, and I'm like, oh, really, Barbara? that Barbara Crampton? Wow. Because this was the movie that really... It launched the the Cranissons. Yeah, Barbazons. The Barbazons. There yeah. it is. The Cramptasons. That, that sounds. Barbazons is much better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cramptasons sounds like something like. Uh, do you suffer from leg cramps? Try Cramptasons. You know, like <laughs> bastard cousin of the Krampus. Um, I went in with a lot of anticipation. Didn't see it in the theater initially. Have since seen it theatrically though thanks to our friday night frights mm-hmm. and boy oh boy does this movie play like gangbusters with the crowd eh oh yeah every we got walkouts and we got all sorts of stuff <laughs> but it is still a legit fun movie it is for for being it's kind of interesting because it is a little bit of a slow burn for a little bit and i mean except for the first like five minutes right. where there's a horrible wonderful <laughs> death Dun, 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 splat, right? So, <laughs> but then it takes a while for it to get going, and, like, that can lose a lot of people, as we've seen. But it's one of those ones <laughs> that it's a very rewarding once the ride goes. Yeah. It's one of those ones that, like, yes. Because it's st- like a lot of Adam Wingard movies, like The Guest. As soon as, like, something happens, the, the hammer just drops, and then you're just, like, full force from there yeah so that's what i like about that it's an interesting slow burn with a great payoff and then just a almost another movie that just switches so mm-hmm. no i totally agree on that side um it also contains one of my favorite more genre performances and again not saying you know final girl or anything like that but you know scream queen we know Sharni Vinson in this movie. As Aaron, oh, just so good. tearing people up with a fucking blender. Blender kill on this one. But there's also a very mean kill in this movie that has always bothered me. And that's the the, the sister and the... The, yeah. With the whoosh. Oh, with the decapitation. Oh, that's just, super mean. It's horribly mean, but... The Barbara Crampton kill always got me. Well, that, of course. Cause she, well, yeah, exactly. You don't want her to see her to die. And the way that she was like, no, no, no. And then just splat, splat, splat. But then when Z... Like, oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah, what? that... Yes, deal breaker. Thank goodness. Deal Thank, I was going to have to stop this podcast no, if that was not... No, a, absolutely deal breaker. Because like, I was at first, I was like, you know what? Okay, I can see where she's... Let's see where this goes. And then she's like, let's make... Oh, my mother, dead corp. I'm like, you lost all sorts of brownie points, Z. You are a sick fuck, you know? And not the cool band kind. So, like... <laughs> there was some chopping chop, up chop, your mother. Chop, chop, chop up your mother. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> but, no, the cast is great. I mean, even the banter of the family felt very familyistic. It felt like... It's a little professional. <laughs> The, Talking the, shit. The thing that always gets me is the fact that he calls him a scumbag for knowing about that thing that blocks cell signals. You're such a scumbag. <laughs> Even it's with the funny. shot in the back. It is. It's, it's legit funny. It's funny. There's a lot of funny scenes in it, and you don't expect it. Once again, it's very serious, and it's like, oh, it's a bunch of like rich people. Mm-hmm. Rich people problems getting home invaded, whatever. But then like the fact that, okay, it's humorous. Yep. You know, it's mean at times. It, it, yeah. It's a good movie and it's an inversion of the home invasion Mm -hmm. it's so it's so much fun it is a lot of fun um now another one that is a lot of fun and another one that is very much kind of a a, a 
um, oh good lord, metal look at itself. Yeah, uh, Wes Craven's Scream Four. Mm-hmm. And four films in can sometimes be problematic. Absolutely. However, Halloween Four reinvigorated not too bad yeah not too bad nightmare on street 4 not too bad at all new arc i liked it friday 13 part 4 i mean yeah absolutely spark force can be up there i think they oh four uh, so you know it doesn't always work out but for the most part fours can provide something very new and fun well and it should be noted as well scream 3 also participated into the mouth of march madness as did Scream 2 in the mm-hmm. original Into the Mouth of March Madness, so it has quite a, leg- a legacy in and of itself. And this is one I did not see in the theater. Really? No, I did not. I did. Did you? I did. How did it play? Great. <laughs> I had Everybody was having a good time. It was a good Scream movie. Um, and I remember coming out thinking, that was a pretty good movie, you know? I got to keep my eye on this Emma Roberts. She's She was really good in this one, you know? Lo and behold, you know? I mean, I, I, and I still think that way. One, I love Emma Roberts. I think she's great in everything, including this. Um, I, we're gonna, I'm gonna spoil the shit out of it. I loved the twist. Mm-hmm. I liked what they did with this, and I'm thinking, okay, it's Scream Four. Let's see how it goes. Apprehensive, but the way they brought in again that meta commentary and the fact that they like even made fun of like their consistent remakes and sequels mm-hmm. in the beginning oh yeah and i'm like whoa series. it's true blood whoa yeah. it's kirsten bell you know so like again i had a blast with this movie even more so than i did back in the day i think it was like i was having a good time with it but i think this time with that especially with the fact that it has time to simmer mm-hmm. i was having an even better time with it's, it. it's a west craven movie he's always going to have some time to simmer and it shows yeah it shows well, this is one I, I finally saw uh, just as a theater uh, in the theater and at home, um, probably a few years after it came out, and I do remember really enjoying it. And upon the rewatch, not only did I really enjoy it, but this is one of those films that I think if I was to rank the Scream series, I'm always going to go the original first. But mm-hmm. depending on my mood, I will easily put Part Four ahead of any of the other films. Yeah, I really, really enjoy. It. Same B- because it. Could have gone so poorly, I think. But the fact that you've got the old school with the new school, you've got still the commentary, which I'm not really sure, again, talking about remakes and mm-hmm. throwing some shade at remakes at this point, which is probably not all that wrong. Um, I don't. I just, I, I really enjoyed it. It was just a return to form yeah. in a lot of ways. And it was a good commentary of what the horror was like at the time. If there. anything, Scream can be time capsules. And then, and as we've seen with Scream Three, yeah. you know, but like this one, like it's all about the found footage now. Yeah. You got to like give the, the first person perspective, and they even tried it for a little bit. Yeah, Again, did. it was all about you know that meta horror, the fact that it's it's a loving wink and a nod, while still bringing some fucking good kills and some genuine suspense. And you know, we were craving, craving in the '90s, and with. Freddy's dead and people under the stairs. We're still craving, craving in the aughts, man. Mm-hmm. I love it in the new yeah. millennium. Yeah, craving is still relevant. And I was not expecting Emma Roberts' heel turn. I, that one kind of threw me off guard, and I really appreciated it. She she plays a great. She's just well, she's a great actor, mm-hmm. just first and foremost. So yeah, no, it's great to see even um Hayden Panettiere in this. Yes, Kirby absolutely loved her character. Kirby is great. Kirby yeah, was great. I was like. Yeah, save the cheerleader indeed. <laughs> well, and when you can, as much as I love the original characters, when you can craft char- the new ones that I actually care for, right? 
that's a sign of a good film. Because I don't know if I can tell you more than Sarah Michelle Gellar's character in part two. Very you know, true. All I can tell you, Lee Schreiber and Patrick Warburton in part three, but that's about it. Courtney Cox's bangs. Right, Courtney Cox's bangs. But this one, it stands on its own. Yeah. I think this is a very good representation. A continuation of showing that part fours can be badasses. And by the time this episode releases, we will have seen it on the big screen again, mm-hmm. thanks to Friday Night Frights. And as much as much as we enjoyed both of these films, only one can go into the round of the Scream 16. So Genius McGee, Scream 4 or your next, which one is closer to your heart? I saw Scream 4 in the theater and I really liked it. I haven't seen it since. I've seen Red State, or in Red State, I've seen Your Next More. And I think close to the heart, I think every time I see it, I enjoy it a little bit more. And I'm going to say the same thing with Scream 4. Every time I see it, I see it a little bit more. But as of this recording, because it has more play in my rotation, it has just that little bit more love. So I'm going to go with Your Next. This is a tough one for me as well. Um, uh, the theatrical experience is important. It always shades. But also the, the feeling of nostalgia the familiarity and scream four was one I actually upon rewatching it, I actually went and watched the original, but with the movie crypt commentary with Adam green and Joe Lynch. But I, it made me want to go back to the original cause I really enjoyed the fourth one with your next. I don't necessarily have something to go back to with that one because there aren't, unless it's the strangers, which as much fun as that is, right? It's definitely it's so I because of I just think the nostalgia element in of itself because of the franchise and the fact that I I did see almost all of these except for four in the theater. Bad Greg, bad Greg. It's the Catholic guilt's going to get my vote of scream for the uh, for closer Shame. to the heart. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> now that being said, the bracket topic itself, smart slashers, mm-hmm. again can be interpreted a number of ways. What is your vote going to be there, genius? Scream 4. The fact that you were able to pull the wool over my eyes with Emma uh. Roberts. The fact that it was a good meta commentary <laughs> of horror at the time. It, it, the character, the new Ran- Neo-Randies, yeah. right? Even yeah. though one's a Culkin, they were still endearing, you know? And they were still lovable. So when you find out that one of them's fucked up, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to put the clues together through the whole movie because it's fucking, you're supposed to put the clues together. It's a mystery. And I still was fooled with the Emma Roberts turn. Now, as much as I liked Your Next, I think this one was a better representation of like, not, ooh, I'm small and intellectual, but horror still having tricks up its sleeve. Yeah. Totally works. Totally works. This is tough because actually I like the twist that is in your next when we find out kind of the machinations of the, 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 bro- the brothers and the sister, uh, the, I should say Z, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the sister. Um, it's, it's clever. It's an inversion. It's what, it's a kind of a subversion of what we expect, but scream for the entire, the, the original is built upon meta commentary on horror. Right. And like you said, it really kind of hits the marks on that. It's very smart. It's still, but it's the kind of smart that is for everyone. It's populist smart. It's you don't feel pretentious mm-hmm. saying you enjoy Scream 4. Right. A horror, hardcore horror fan can enjoy it. A normie can enjoy it. Your next potentially could play like that. But I think I, I, I just think Wes Craven's got it in the bag when it comes to the smart horror. And by a count of three to one, slashing its way into the round of the Scream 16 is Scream 4. Do you like scary movies? Pum, 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 splat. 
Which leads us to our last bracket topic, and one we've been doing from the get-go, because occasionally there are some films out there we know we wanted to talk about, but occasionally you just have a hard time pairing. <laughs> There's no fit, you yeah, know? No fit. There's no fit. But, but we don't quit. So... We bring in a... <laughs> wild card, bitches! And which leads us to Final Destination 5, going up against Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. What do we start with there, genius? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I don't know if the world can truly appreciate Richard Jenkins, <laughs> and I hope we can let him know how much we appreciate him before he's gone. Yeah. Because his work in this movie is so ridiculously good. Just when him and Bradley, uh, Bradley, Bradley Cooper, um, Bradley Whitford. Whitford are just sitting there just dancing with the little party music and everything. There's a great duo. You know what we can still get while they're here? Is a prequel to at least the one of a maybe one of the previous ones that yeah. went that actually worked. Mm-hmm. How much would that be wonderful? Just as like them as interns oh, or something oh. like, or their first day, like yes. hi Ralph, I'm like hi John, you know. <laughs> there are a number of ways that could go, and I'm all freaking for it. Right? Oh my goodness, I've had a ridiculous amount of fun with this film, but strangely enough, I've only seen it two times. Really? Yes, I saw it. Um, Rented it when it came out and it became available on video probably around 2012 or whenever. Really enjoyed it. Didn't watch it again until it was for Patreon. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I saw this in the theater. I saw Ah. it it at um, a sneak peek. You know when they have like uh, about two or three weeks before? Oh, yeah. The free screening? Yeah. And they got posters and shit. Oh, it was great. the studio presentations. Yeah. Oh, I was so stoked because I didn't know what it was. I just know Cabin in the Woods. Okay, you know the trailer looked like it had no, nothing yeah. to do with the, like the weird machinations going on in the background. Just sexy teens going to a cabin in the woods and horror ensues. I'm down for that, right? So I went in there and I was like, "This is really fucking good. This is great." But it was a mixed reaction at the end because we were like, "What'd you think?" And everyone was we were like, "It wasn't what I expected." And like, I didn't get the the office part until it was cool and all the monsters came out. And I was like, "Like, you know, we're the elder gods, right? right. You know, we're the ones that want then demand the sacrifice." I thought that was I thought it was brilliant and it was handled well. It was one of those ones. Literally, it was a fuck you to us as watchers, too. But I'm like, oh, I'm just busting your chops. We're going to keep giving you what you want. But you know what? <laughs> Stop being so demanding and, and, and stereotypical of what you like. You know? And I liked that. Yeah. You know, it, that was their opinion on that. And they pulled it off well. Plus, the fact that we had this cavalcade of monster greatest hits while they always save monsters greatest hits because it's not quite pinhead you know it's not quite like anaconda horror on a budget my friend exactly and it and it worked and it worked because it was brilliant the last the last 20 30 minutes when like the full chaos ensues yeah. is probably some of my favorite scenes of all horror because it's just everything that i want all these different types of killers just creating chaos i fucking adore this movie it is funny it's like got genuine good scares it's got a great story great acting great direction i eat this fucker up with a spoon it's multiple movies it's the cabin in the woods it's the zombie redneck torture family mm-hmm. it's the office sex shenanigans it's the whole last part you know you've got sigourney weaver coming showing out, out of nowhere which was so wonderful at the time no it 
And like I said, I don't know why it took me that long to rewatch it. And it's one that I know really well. I've always enjoyed it. And just even rewatching it again for this, I was like, God damn, this is a fun movie. The fact that they got Chris Hemsworth right before. Thor. Yeah. yeah. Again, the, leg, the, the, the lineage of this film, the legacy of this film. And this is the why I think that people are really still just discovering this movie. Yeah. Especially those MCU people that are going to backtrack into this, which I think this movie might... No, you know what? I don't think it would play well with normies. I think it is just too clever, potentially. I think it might offend them. No, I don't think it's too clever and it's too offend them. I think that the, the, the jokes might... For normies, they might not get the the... The tropes. Yeah, that's fair. I think this is a movie for fans. Yeah. This is a movie like, hey, if normies dig it, because if they want to see Bradley Whitford and like <laughs> do shenanigans with Richard Jenkins, cool. You know, if they want to see like half the cast of Angel show up in like background characters, <laughs> cool. You know, so yeah. yeah, no, I, but I don't think they might enjoy it. They might not get the joke, but I think. Yeah, it's 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 one of those ones for normies it would be hit or miss. Yeah. But for horror fans, I think that's the audience for it. It's like the Wishmaster series. Yeah, again, special shout out. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate mm-hmm. that rewatch. Mm-hmm. Well, then you saw Cabin in the Woods in the theater. I saw it on video. How about Final Destination 5 there, genius? Fuck yeah, I saw that in the theater. I saw that movie opening weekend. I love Final Destination movies. The Rube Goldbergs of death. I think they're ingenious the way that they do that. And just the fact that like... Even though it's not this movie, there's still things that scare me about the whole entire Final Destination franchise. Like, of those log trucks? Fuck no. Those drawbridges, construction? Fuck no. I don't go to NASCAR events for multiple reasons, (laughs) but that's definitely one of them. So, like, yeah. And some of the just random deaths, the fact that death can get you anywhere, at any time, in any way... It's terrifying, at least expected, and it red herrings you. The fact that, like, hey, look, there's, like, something dangling over here. Meanwhile, a saw blade comes out of nowhere and slices you up. I think it's going to be faker, yet it's going to be that Voorhees mask over there somehow. Exactly, exactly. And then Tony Todd with the voodoo magic. It's just, like, the icing on the cake. It, I, I've i always liked the Final Destination movie, so when the five came out, I was fucking there and ready for it, and I was not disappointed at all well and this is one i didn't see in the theater uh this was actually a first time viewing for me but the bummer is i knew the the spoiler i knew the ending i knew the oh, the twist was great yeah. the twist is wonderful and even knowing it it's great but i can only imagine did you know that going no, in no clue what was your react do you remember your reaction <laughs> yeah once i saw Devin sala i was like holy shit i remember even i remember i pulled a once upon a time in hollywood i was like oh shit right and i think a lot of other people in that too because you just hear what you just <laughs> and then kaboom and i was like well done bravo <laughs> bravo and there was like cheers in yeah. the theater there was like yeah so that's pretty rad mm-hmm. i think that is very well deserved um but the beginning that whole bridge sequence is terrifying poor david kutchner oh that whole thing that just uh. and a lot of these movies especially final destination they're built on the intro initial the 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 inci- instigating the, the first, accident yeah and then, then all the kills. Mm-hmm. Is there anything? Because I think there's one in particular that I imagine probably. No, there's two. There's okay, two we're... that fucked me up. So when I first saw the theater, LASIK just came out. And I was thinking about, you know what? Maybe I'll go to get some LASIK because, you know, my glasses and shit. And then Steffi from The Bull and the Beautiful winds up getting it in the eye. 
multiple times, and that's horrible. But the gymnast scene, the gymnast scene gave me the giggles because, <laughs> again, it was such a bait and switch. I'm thinking she's going to fall on the needle or something or rather, and then nope, she just misses the dismount because of powder. And the fact that she just crumbles into this mask. While physically impossible, I really fucking enjoyed it because it made my jaw just like, what just fucking happened? Holy shit. I loved it. Loved it. Death has dramatic timing and a sense of humor when it comes to that. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Death is dope. Yeah, well, no, it, it definitely hits all what you need of a good Final Destination film. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the capper at the end, it's yeah. just, it's such a nice ringing endorsement. Mwah. It truly is. It truly is. We both loved both of these films, but only one can advance. So that being said, Genius McGee, mm-hmm. which of the two films is closer to your heart? Final Destination 5 or Cabin in the Woods? <laughs> I saw these both in the theater and I both had a great time with it. Um, Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. Just because of the simple fact, I, I think I'm going to harken back to the... Um, your next scream. I think I've seen Cabin more than I've seen Final Destination 5. That's fair. And I find new things to love about it every single time. And I think the same thing could be said with Final Destination 5. But I think it loses its luster a little bit once you know that twist is coming. Yeah, that's fair. And it's tough for me because I've, I've seen Final Destination 5 one time. I've seen Cabin in the Woods three times. So I don't have a lot of experience with either of these films. But in terms of the nostalgia, I've, I'm going to also go with Cabin in the Woods only because I also knew of the hype behind it. So I went in with some anticipation and it was not disappointing at all. Now, that being said, this one also gets a little bit difficult because it is a wild card. Mm-hmm. But which two films uh, is a little bit more of a wild card there for you, genius? Cabin. Because the sheer amount you knew that death was coming and you knew there was going to be some Rube Goldberg effects and some like, you know, weird decapitations. And then like you hear uh, either dun, 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 do, 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 or like fucking breakfast machine or something sure. <laughs> while plates of glass fall upon you. But you didn't know what the fuck you were expecting with Cabin in the Woods. And when everything breaks out. And you, I was not expecting everything to break out either. Just the sheer madness of when the elevators came out. I think that to me is a wild card because you don't know what's coming out of those elevators, but you know <laughs> that it's going to fuck you up. Once you hear the ding, you're mm-hmm. in trouble. Mm-hmm. I know death is coming for me eventually. I know I'm probably going to die in some sort of like weird accidental mishap involving contraptions or something right like i'm gonna fall down some stairs and land into like a pit of vipers or some weird shit right so i'm ready for that but i don't think i'm gonna (laughs) i i I don't think i'm gonna like get dispatched by like reavers and phantoms and werewolves and shit you know (laughs) that's fair that's fair watch out for a pit of vipers my friend i would be more surprised if i got attacked by a vampire than i did if i like a plate glass window fell on me because i was stupid oh that's too good well this uh, for me i think more of a wild card i'm actually going to go with final destination 5 only because what a statement to close out the final film of the franchise by tying it directly to the first and making this whole secular thing mm-hmm. that makes those rewatches that much better. 
I mean, that that is a wild card kind of thing. And for even though it got a vote of one, by a count of three to one, making its way into the round of the Scream 16 is Cabin in the Woods. Ooh. They push the right button. The Buckners. <laughs> the, the merman may come out. The husband's bulge. <laughs> Which means our, our little... <laughs> Oh, God, our matchup in the round of the Scream 16. We have Fright Night going up against Red State. Oh, shit. And then we have Scream 4 going up against Cabin in the Woods. Oh, wow. Oh, man, the burden oh. the burden upon not only us, but our next guests. Hmm. And, of course, that episode is going to be releasing on Friday. Now, we haven't yet recorded our episodes yet, so we're not going to say who they are, but just you know, stay tuned. We'll let you know. And until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Do not read the Latin. Thank you.